there's a play that came out. It was written back in the late 30s, 39, maybe 40, by a guy named Eugene O'Neill called The Iceman Cometh. And basically it's about, um, well, it tells the story of a number of like alcoholic dead-enders who live in a flop house above a saloon and what happens to them when um, the most outwardly successful of them embraces sobriety and reveals that uh, he's been on the run after murder, murdering his, his, his wife. It's called The Iceman Cometh, right? And you know what? There's no ice in it. I remember back in the day, back in the 80s, I was watching some... Sh it was like a, a special episode of some... God, I want to say it was like David Letterman or something like that. And he had a handful of like these celebrities make a short film, like a five minute film, three, four, five minute film, something like that. And Michael J. Fox, prior to Parkinson's, he did this, uh, he did this, he wrote and uh, created this little feature called. Uh, the Iceman Hummeth, which I thought was semi-clever because it was about hockey players that, because um, he's Canadian, and um, I guess if I remember right, like like mid mid game, like these high, these brawling hockey guys just stop and then they just all start singing in unison. Some saw, I don't even know, but I thought it was very clever. The Iceman Hummeth, you know, kind of a take on the old Eugene O'Neill play. But but why do you ask? Why, why do you bring that up, Johnny Boy? What's going on? Well, first of all, calm down. I'll tell you. It's, um... Because I got my ice bath coming. I got an ice bath coming. I'm going to do some ice bath plunging. Yeah, yeah. It's a portable little thing. I asked for I asked for it for my birthday. And, uh, and uh, yeah. So, that's what's up. I got a portable little thing. I'm going to set it up in the old bathroom there. Just set it up on the old tile floor of the bathroom there. Pull out the, uh, the water pick in the shower. Fill that bitch up with some icy cold water. Throw in a couple of bags of ice. And then fucking let's fucking go. It's, it's, it's all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, we're in the Arctic Circle. And uh, the reason I, I'm so excited about it is because, well, there's so, there's been many many <clears throat> people that I trust in the neurobiology field, one in particular, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who I one I accidentally bumped into down in Topanga Canyon a couple years ago when I was hanging out with my 21-year-old Bruin. And, uh, but he is a huge proponent of ice bath technology, ice bath uh, the benefits, uh, of course, are uh, 
Well, for one, it spikes your dopamine like four to six times that of any other normal uh, activity or pharmaceutical or low-grade synthetic powdery cocaine-like substance. (laughs) But there's no... Uh, but there's no drop. So you go, I don't know, I shouldn't say that about cocaine. I think cocaine actually blasts you up into the stratosphere about 10 times your normal dopamine. And, uh, but you, but you come down below your, you, you bottom out, you bottom the fuck out on coke, but not with the ice bath. You go up four to six X above baseline. And then you hold that steady for the next four or five hours. And you, there's no crash. It's beautiful. So your dopamine levels are just skyrocketing. Like you're just, it's like you're fucking, you just love it. You're just smiling. You're happy. You're, you know, you're high-fiving everybody. You're fucking loving life, you know. And uh, it reduces inflammation. It, it, it uh, creates what, they're, they're called leukocytes, which go in and attack dead cells in your system. Repaired lethargic cells. And, uh, Jesus, I mean, you know, 400,000 years of Viking know-how couldn't be wrong now, could it, right? I mean, these motherfuckers were blitzkrieging down into battle high on mushrooms and just mushrooms and ice baths. (laughs) Uh, God, yeah, so... Should be here any day now. I'm so stoked. And all you do, you got to just sit in an ice bath for like two minutes, three minutes. You know, how hard is that? And uh, it just wakes you the fuck up. But it's on its way. It's on its way. It's been a lot going on. A lot. uh, I've been listening to, uh, speaking of psychedelics and mushrooms and blitzkrieging Vikings. Speaking of blitzkrieging Vikings... Uh, I've been listening to uh, a lot of Huberman uh, talking about uh, the benefits of psilocybin, which we already, I mean, we've kind of gone over ad nauseum. Everybody talks. It's the new, it's the new trend, but he's, for what I, now, what I was unaware of, and this is his own self-admission, is that uh, he's really been reticent on commenting on psilocybin in particular because he was afraid of losing his job like back in the day like 20 years ago 30 years ago you'd lose your job by speaking out of turn going yeah freaking mushrooms are where it's at it's good for PTSD soldiers returning back from uh, tours uh, people what they used to call shell-shocked you know uh, they come home from war they come home from Vietnam and they're you know a little off but they used to call it being shell shocked is that is what's now post traumatic stress, uh, and I was actually even talking to my mom about this too. Like, which I, yeah, it's probably you know, it's probably odd that I comment as much as I do on psychedelics and ketamine and Ibogaine and mushrooms and LSD and ayahuasca and MDMA 
<laughs> and DMT. But geez, I mean, they're discovering, I mean, it's just, it's, it's all coming back to, it's all coming back to nature, right? Like that shit grows for a reason, right? Um, like, okay, so another good example to say. So we're so quick to just take the first opioid we're recommended, right? So we're so quick to just take the first pharmaceutical synthetic opioid mood enhancing thing to come along, right? As prescribed by your doctor who is probably under some pressure by a pharmaceutical to be, you know, promoting this bullshit. And, but my lady suffers from debilitating allergies really really bad and her grandmother now this is a woman who you know it's one of those grandmothers is like you know has been using the same recipe for pozole for like a thousand years right like handed down from the Mayans and shit like that so she said miha eat local honey so what she does, she goes out, she gets a jar of local honey from one of those guys out on the corner there selling, uh, you know, on the corner, you know, where they got like the fruit and uh, in, the, in, the, in the cart with the ice and stuff like that. So she got some local honey. Fucking no more sneezing. So that's what I'm talking. Like, it's just honey. Like, it's just magic. Like, it's fucking nature, man. Like, nature is what, like, to be out in nature, to use nature to its full capacity. That's what it's that's what I'm talking, that's, that's getting back to your roots, you know, is what that means, so why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you buy into psilocybin mushrooms, kind of helping you out, rewiring your brain, kind of, you know, taking on a little journey, a little, a little journey of, of, self-discovery and, and unraveling some of the knots in your, in your, in your brain and so forth. And it's just, it's coming. I mean, every, it's, it literally is it's odd. The number of people that are talking about it. Like I was, uh, scrolling through Instagram and, uh, my buddy Dean Del Rey, who's got his, he's got his podcast and he's a great standup. He's usually opening up for Bill Burr and, um, but he's even talking about how easy it is to get mushrooms now. You can go on a Facebook marketplace and buy mushrooms. Like, what the fuck? Like, back in the day, like, you had to know, like, you had to, you know, you had to, like, know a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy. And you're like, you know, where can I get mushrooms? And it's like, well, I know this guy. And, he, you know, but it's like a day's journey out to the outskirts of the, the county. And it's, he's a little weird. Don't look at him in the eyes, you know, like, don't. You know, don't make eye contact and shit like that. And that's how you got your mushrooms, right? But now it's like, shit, go on to Facebook Marketplace. Go to eBay. I don't know. It's fucking, it's so accepted as decriminalized in Oregon. And, uh, but it's just getting back to nature, man. Getting back. That's the, and that's the whole thing about the ice thing too. You know, ice, ice, baby. You know, ice, it's just simple. It's just fucking, you know, two parts oxygen, one part hydrogen. Or is it two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen? You know what I mean. And 
that shit's gonna get rid of the inflammation. That shit's gonna repair your damaged cells. That shit's gonna spike your dopamine. You're gonna be glad to be alive. You're gonna be happy to be alive because of ice. Because of ice, because of mushrooms, because of local honey. That's all. That's all you need. Like I just I just cracked the code to the secret of happiness. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like Jesus. But to be perfectly frank, perfectly honest, I'm just trying to get the fuck out of town. Um it's when this comes out, we will be tooling down the highway. But what's going on right now, as of the present, is uh, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get through the day. I got, oh my god, they shit's just been chaotic, like semi chaotic. They have reconfigured all the pickup times for these fucking blood donor centers. So I got. Uh, a buddy of mine, another, another, uh, contractor hired to do this shit. Call me every five minutes, just losing his mind. Just his head's about ready to explode. It's about ready to pop right off. And, uh, because they, they're pushing all these, see what it is, is like this outfit that we pick up blood for is, uh, Basically, got had some mid-level management executive types, some people that have no practical experience with anything, come in and decide that uh, in an effort to appease their board of directors, they've got to shore up the fi- the bottom line, really, to make it look good for the board. And because they don't want to pay anybody in the donor centers, these these poor girls, these phlebotomists and the nurses and the staff... They don't want to pay them because they can't hire any. There's, they're all leaving. They're all they're understaffed because they don't get paid enough. And um, so, consequently, they should be packaging up and distributing their whole blood and platelets and plasma over a period of. Uh, two, sometimes three different pickups during the day because you're talking, I mean, you're talking about 80 appointments, 100 appointments. You know, these people, these these friggin' people that come in thinking they're saving somebody's life. Well, meantime, the reality is we're driving through snow and fucking rain and bad conditions uh, to pick up the shit. So whose life are you saving? It's kind of, it's kind of a wash, right? And so now they're pushing all the don- all the pickups to the end of the day and so instead of parsing it out over two sometimes three separate pickup times with you know five boxes six boxes seven boxes now it's like one lump sum the mount everest of fucking boxes so you go in there and you're fucking you know how the fuck are you going to get all this shit in there? So my buddy's calling me every five minutes. He's losing his mind. My lady's trying to get the house ready. Um, and my youngest is down at UC Santa Cruz. She's taking the tour today. And then her twin brother brought his stoner golfer buddy with him. So they're just, they're in the next room. They're going to, they're about ready to just knock back about a, 
half a pound of mushrooms. I told uh, <laughs> I told my youngest, keep an eye on him. Just go check in on him. And then when you crack the door, just jump in on him and go, hey, you motherfuckers, what are you fucking going? Got <laughs> jolt, jolt him over. Yeah, out of a trance. Although I told him what, you know, he said, hey, we're watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And I'm like, okay, right on. So what about, try try the movie Tron. If you want to watch a movie on shrooms, Tron's where it's at. The lights, the light show, off the hook. So so that's what's up on that on that end. So so I'm calling my youngest. Then my son's calling me, telling me about the time he took mushrooms over at the Great Wolf Lodge. I'm like, all the shit's coming out at once. And then I'm trying to work with the reconfiguration of these pickups out at Davis and Elk Grove, which, by the way, there are no elk. There's still no elk in the town of Elk Grove. And so, and I'm just trying to get out of I, I honestly want to get out of here tonight. Like, Wednesday night, I wanted to burn rubber. I just wanted to fucking head for, like, uh, Harris Ranch, you know, or... Sananella, worst case scenario. But then you think, ah, oh, fuck. Then I, then by the time I get done, by the time I get home, eight o'clock, we drive three hours to Sananella. Then you're in Sananella. But fuck it. So I just gotta rein it in. I gotta, I gotta kind of rein it in a little. Gotta calm down, just pace myself. You know, it's not the end of the world. But what you're probably wondering is why did I really, why did I really call you here? Why did I really, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. So today, tonight is Gonzaga UCLA. That is going to be the matchup. March Madness NCAA tournament. Here we go. Gonzaga from Spokane, Washington and UCLA, the Bruins who gave us Lou Alcinder, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, going at it tonight. And, uh, man, I'd love to be at that game. That'd be so cool. Uh, I've been going back and forth with my my 21-year-old, my Bruin, down there, who's been, uh, her boyfriend is uh, at Long Beach State. He's he's a film student, and I was I'm always kind of bouncing ideas off him. And I had an idea where he should do a documentary, because he needs, well, he needs to make a film, honestly. <laughs> Boom, that was him again. That was old Rube, my buddy, Ruben, calling to tell me uh, how maniacal the shit's going down. I'm just trying to survive, man. I'm just trying to get out of here. The whole shit's burning down around me, man. It's crazy. You know, uh, fucking... Uh, the county called to say they had a place for, uh, my lady's son, Jake. And, uh, you know, usually there's like a three, four year waiting list and they found a place for him. And now they, they just had to verify that it's okay because it's in a retirement community, but he's disabled. And, uh, she just, the, the coordinator had to verify it. And they, and that was like last week, like, we're just trying to get like, and we haven't heard back and. We're just kind of left dangling here, you know? Uh, it's, you know, shit's just kind of like, just kind of unraveling here and there, left and right. And, and I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to watch the game tonight. I'm just trying to watch Gonzaga UCLA. Like, I just want to, you know, I just, I just want to, I just want us all to get along. 
you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just been, it's been a, I don't know, I, it, it seems like it, it was only a couple days ago I was saying three weeks, then three weeks, then two weeks, two weeks, two weeks left, two weeks till we go. Now one week, one week. And then yesterday it was like one motherfucking day, one day left. And then finally it's like, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. So, um, but yeah, so it's on tonight. UCLA Gonzaga. I'm nervous. Go Bruins. Um, and then after that, it's cool. I got us reservations Friday night at the Lark. And then uh, aside from that, it's just kind of chill. It's calm. I've been, I've just been, other than that, I've been kind of enjoying myself. I've been perusing through uh, social media. I found a new, a new favorite page on Instagram called Extreme Mormons. It's got Elder Matthew. And it's got Elder Philip. Elder Philip, I think, does all the filming, and then Elder Matthew does all the bike stunts. And <laughs> it's just, it's just these do you know? <laughs> these, t- I fucking love Mormons. I fucking love Mormons. They're just out of their minds. They're out of their minds. They believe in God, and then they believe in Joseph Smith, and then they, and then, and then some of them kind of. I don't know, some of them kind of, you know, fly a little close to the sun and they end up wearing some bright orange shirt and hanging out on an overpass. And the bright orange shirt's got like John 316 on. He just waves at traffic. You know, those guys, I think they think they're doing themselves a service, you know, like a lot of these blood centers. But it's all good. You know, you wave. They're a little off. They're a little left to center. They're a little half a bubble off plum. It's all good, though. A little burnt. A little, a little crispy on the inside, but it's all good. But I fucking love these Mormons, you know? You gotta, you gotta give it up for the Mormons. They're just the fucking... They're the nicest people. And they're fucking out of their minds. They're fucking out of... It was like... Like when I was in Salt Lake City at, at 3 a.m. Uh, what, a couple years ago now in June? Yeah, June of 21. We step off the train at like 2... No, 3 a.m.? About 3 a.m. Got dropped off in Salt Lake City. Places flooded with people. Everywhere. Night, I mean, it was full tilt. Going. Mormons everywhere, out on the street, 3 a.m. Like, don't you motherfuckers got church in the morning? But you got to love them. You got to fucking love Oh, and that was the other interesting thing. So as I'm listening to, was it Huberman? I think it was, was it, or who was it was telling me about how in the bylaws of the Mormon faith, they're allowed, yeah, it was Huberman, Andrew Huberman, the professor of neurobiology at Stanford was saying that Mormons, although they can't, I don't know if they can have caffeine. I thought they bought some stock in Pepsi, so they were, all of a sudden God said they're allowed to have caffeine now, but I still, maybe they, maybe they aren't. They can party till 3 a.m. in Salt Lake City, but they can't have caffeine. But all the other bylaws in their in their in their in their cult is like no drugs, no weed, no alcohol, definitely. And uh, but the one thing they can have, the one thing they're allowed to have, MDMA, 
What the fuck? Yeah, there's some crazy bylaw that says... So, so it's, I guess, well, technically, technically you're not supposed to take MDMA, uh, but these clinical studies that they do, there's um, some loophole where it's populated mostly with Mormons because the Mormons are allowed to take MDMA. It's the craziest, craziest shit ever. I think I'm, I don't think I'm off base on this. I think that's what he was saying. So Mormons are just tripping balls all the time and they're loving it. Like it's cool. Like it's part of their thing. I think it was the Mormons. I don't think it was the Amish. Yeah. Yeah. Mormons. They're just fucking out of their minds on MDMA. It's the best. The Mormons, you know, the Mormons that, you know, there's a lot going on with the Mormons that you don't even know about. Like back in the 80s, they were, you know, mid 80s, Mormons kind of, they kind of dominated American distance running. Like in the 84 Olympics, uh, let's see, Doug Padilla. Now keep in mind, everybody, every name I, every name that I, I come up with is, is a Mormon from here on out. So Doug Padilla, the great 5,000 meter runner, uh, I think he won the trials. And then he made, I think, and then I think, did he make the final? He was the main guy in the 5,000 meters in the 84 Olympics in, 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 in LA. And then Henry Marsh, who shares the same birthday as me, was the, at the time, the American record holder in the steeplechase at 8.09. And he, I'm sure he won the trials. And then he almost, he almost meddled. He should have won. But he had the flu because he was so dominant in the 80s. Henry Marsh was like, he was a lawyer, but he was also like this badass steeplechaser, 3,000 meter steeplechase. He was the American record holder, 809. And he was, he had this, he had this style where he'd run from the back. Like he'd be in last place for like seven laps. And then the last half lap, he just fucking just, blow past everybody but he had the flu in the 84 olympics in the final and he was in third place until brian deemer a fellow american came out of nowhere and just snatched that bronze from out of his grasp but and he should have won the 83 world championships in the steeplechase he was leading coming off the final um hurdle and he fucking hit that hurdle he he fucking just he just, it was like a fucking clang, just hit that. Because those those beams don't go down. And uh, if you ever watch the 3,000 meter steeplechase, it's, it's the most wild, it's the wildest race you'll ever see. And he hit that fucker and just limped in and just, I, I don't know how he, I think he ended up eighth or ninth or something. He just hobbled home, but he should have won. He should have been the world champion. He should have been a medalist in, in, in the 84 Olympics. But nope. And then, uh, then you got Ed Eyestone, um, guy ran, he ran 2741 at BYU. He, he's the school record holder. Like that's a fucking great school record. 2741, 10,000 meters. And, uh, but he didn't make it to, he didn't make it, he didn't make the team, but Jesus, um, 
I mean, this guy's running, he's, he was running 13, thir- he ran faster for the 5,000 meters at BYU than Doug Padilla. And Doug Padilla, and, and keep in mind now, Padilla and Marsh and these guys, they're all, they're all like low mileage runners too, like 35 miles a week, like hardly anything. Like, and these guys were phenomenal, just fucking, um, just savages, just savages. Uh, and then you got Paul Cummings. He won the 10,000 meter in the trials. Uh, he beat, um... Craig Virgin and Pat Porter, and uh, but tragically he uh, he loses life uh, while he was on a fishing trip trying to save someone from drowning, and he ended up drowning. But he was this is a guy who ran three thirty nine at BYU in college three thirty nine. He was a great fifteen hundred runner. L- fucking had some wheels. Guy could guy had a kick, man. He just. He just ran away from everybody in that in that ten in that ten thousand meter in the Olympic trials. He ran twenty seven like fifty nine, but he didn't make the final. And yeah, tragically, he uh, he drowned on a fishing uh, expedition. Uh, but yeah, the Mormons you gotta love them, gotta love them. Connor Mance, two hundred eight marathoner. He uh, Ed Eystone is his coach now. Ed Eystone is the coach at BYU and. He coaches Connor Mance. Connor Mance almost took his school record. He missed it by 11 hundredths of a second. He missed out on Ed Eystone's 10,000 meter school record. Crazy, huh? So, uh, and then Jason Pyra, another Mormon. I think he, was he an Olympian as well? He won the Golden West Mile when he was in high school. I remember watching that. He tried, he was trying to break four. He ended up running like 404. But, uh, Gotta love them Mormons. Motherfucking Mormons. But, but, oh, well. Anyway, so, tonight I'll, tonight I'll be in Santa Barbara. Yelling at the TV. UCLA, Gonzaga. We're gonna hit Mesa Burger, and then Friday night we'll be out at, uh, we'll be out at, uh, the Lark. Matter of fact, they just text me, too. These motherfuckers, they just, there's this phone calls coming in every, I just got... It's fucking, it's too much. Everybody just calm down. Everybody just relax. All right. And that's it. That's about it. That's about all I got for you. So, I'll check in on you. I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, babies.